Welcome back to the Bench Podcast Season 2. Once again, I'm Michael, joined by Aaron, Will and Alan. How are we doing, gentlemen? All right? All good, mate. All good. 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 Slightly different take on this night. It's a first for us all, isn't it? Because we're actually all in the same place doing the podcast as opposed to doing it remotely. Social distancing, I might add, so it'll be a little bit different. How, how are we feeling about this? Yeah, it should be a bit more interesting <clears throat> and... Uh... Get to see all your lovely faces. The different spin. Mike didn't offer us any PPE, so if anything goes wrong, I know I'm suing. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are. We are two meters apart with a recording device in the middle of us. The plan was to do it outside, but it, it, it's raining. Um, it's Wednesday. Sheffield United and Aston Villa are just walking out of Villa Park. We've got that on, and we're going to do a podcast, and we're going to start season two off discussing. A big thing that's been going around in football recently, one-to-one coaching. That's what we're talking about tonight, one-to-one coaching. Very popular at the minute. Very popular, lots of... what? really. We're doing it now. Yeah, lots of one-to-one coaching sessions going around at the minute. And and yeah, so we'll start with you. Just for people that are listening, you know, one-to-one coaching. Do you want to explain what it is to people? What is one-to-one coaching? So one-to-one coaching, uh, a form of coaching used to supplement your everyday training, I suppose. Um, it's taken up by a lot of, I don't know what to say really about it. It's one to two, one, one coaching. Yeah. <laughs> kind of says what it says on the team, doesn't it? We all have it? a different viewpoint on it, I suppose, don't we? Yeah, it's what it kind of says what it says on the tin, doesn't it, in terms of it is one coach, one player. It's kind of the guidance at the minute from the government of how you know people should be coaching with all the COVID-19 going on. So, yeah, we'll have a little bit of chat about that, what it is, benefits, types, and and we'll see how that goes, okay? So, Alan, what, well, what's the purpose of it then? So, one-to-one coaching, I mean, it's happening there. What is the purpose of it? Um, Why is it happening? Well, the, the, purpose, the purpose of it right now is that, obviously, currently you can't, train with your teams, um, can't train in big groups. So a lot of people, especially um, a lot of uh, players that are obviously playing, playing at a decent standard are trying to um, keep on top of it, keep on top of themselves, keep themselves fit, obviously get a few touches of the ball in. If they can't train with the team, they've got, they've got to do something, they've got to do it somewhere. So, um, a lot of one-to-one coaches obviously taking advantage of this, not in not in a, a negative way. They're not. Um, I don't think they're sort of um, mugging anyone off, but they're sort of doing it in a way. They're taking advantage of the climate just to get a few more clients in, and footballers are then taking advantage of the people that do one-to-one coaches to keep themselves sharp for when. Shine, isn't it? Yeah, to keep them for when pre-season eventually does come round and we can actually then train with our teams. So obviously then obviously we've been over 100 games without football so people will be getting rusty and if they were going into pre-season at that level pre-season would wouldn't have its desired effect so obviously they're trying to um, make sure they're still still uh, sharp when pre-season comes back around yeah no it's it is it is, it is the thing that's going on at the minute isn't it rippers what's your experience of one-to-one coaching over your lifetime <laughs> um, it's always it's always 
happened, uh, but I think you've you've always found really that um, it was more popular for more of a like a rehabilitation side of it than a you know um, everyday kind of use that you see players doing it now. It's in the normal routine. They're going and doing two two three sessions a week uh, outside of their team training. So uh, yeah, like I say, uh, for me it's always been. For players who've been on the mend or just doing something to tick over, um, it's not really been as popular as it as it is today. So I'm going to talk about what makes a good one-to-one coach, all right? So Alan, in your opinion, and what? So if someone wants to be a one-to-one coach and start out as in that specific area of the business, what skill set do they need to be a one-to-one coach, in your opinion? Um, I think they need to be able to have a good understanding of uh, people, so they need to be able to understand the needs of the, the players that are coming to them first and foremost, because if they sort of try and do a blanket one-to-one coaching session for every single person, then it's not really going to work well, but if they, if they can sort of figure out what each individual needs and what they want to get out of the sessions, then they're going to be able to tailor the sessions and make them a bit more successful. Um, I also think they need to be a good coach, but I feel like they need to have maybe specific knowledge. I feel like the best one-to-one coaches aren't a general coach that can coach every single position. I think they're more position-specific, so maybe a, a one-to-one goalkeeper coach, a one-to-one sort of defensive-minding coach, a one-to-one attacking coach, one-to-one striker coach, I feel like they they work best because they've got that sort of advanced focus on that position. I feel like that works more in a one-to-one basis um, if you're trying to get your sort of skills out of the game. Yeah, what about you, Will? What do you think? Uh, same as Alan, like, I think, as you said, like they got a, you got to have like, your uh, position-specific knowledge in there because if you're Coaching a, a, a striker and you know nothing about the positions at the top of the pitch, then you're going to struggle, especially if they want to work on like a specific area of their game. Uh, it's a different sort of session as well, or a completely different sort of session because you you can't sort of build off the, the momentum and feedback of other players. You're just going off that one player, and if they're quiet, as Alan said, you do have to get to know the player, find what makes him tick, motivate him and inspire him somehow during that one-on-one session. Yeah, no, I agree. Rippers, what do you think in terms of what's, what key skill sets does someone need to be? Is it going to be a one-to-one coach? I think, to be honest, I think you need um, off away from the session. I think that's a vital part of a one-to-one coach um, in terms of like the planning. So I don't think... One-to-one coaching works if you just ring somebody up and say, can I book in a session with me next week? It needs to be a process. It needs to be understanding the needs of the player. So whether that one-to-one session is, um, you know, working on finishing, working on getting on the half turn, whatever it may be, I think that that's quite important for a skill set for a one-to-one coach to have is to understand the needs of the player and put in a process towards that. You can't just rock up and say, do this, do that, and then expect them to go into a game that following that following Saturday and be 
a lot better than they were that one session prior. So like a block training type of thing. Like, yeah, like a six week plan or whatever yeah. whatever it may be, like what you're working towards, what each you know, send the session plan out, what what's it gonna be, work with work with the one to the effectively the customer because that's what they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. No, I agree. And, and, yeah. and then you can you can also then see the progress. Um see the progress for for over a period of time. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good point. So Based on that, then are you are you saying is there a philosophy behind a one-to-one coach? Then what do we say? I think there's definitely a coaching philosophy. So they're definitely gonna have a way that they choose to coach players, and sort of certain aspects they might want the players to learn. Um, so I think in that way, there definitely is a coaching philosophy. Maybe they might not have a sort of playing philosophy so a, they might not be a, have a way they want the players to play but they'll definitely have a coach philosophy because they definitely know how they want to set the sessions up how what things they want the, the players to learn what they want to put forward I think they definitely will have sort of parts of the philosophy and it's going to be like a very player specific type philosophy isn't it because you, if you're a one to one coach and that's what you do like day in day out then you're going to be working with a range of different players every day and they might their manager or their team that they play for will obviously have different playing styles so you're going to have to adapt each each session to suit the needs of that player yeah so there's there's obviously coaches have their own coaching philosophy but can they put that coaching philosophy in in place when working with a one-to-one player though because one-to-one players or players that do one-to-one sessions aren't going to that coach to be coached in terms of tactical sort of stuff I don't know it's more technical mm. so based on that is there actually a philosophy behind what the player wants or is it they're just going for individual improvement in certain areas yeah he's, he's definitely in certain areas um, but I also think that you know you're going to get you, you, you still do have a philosophy in a way um, I mean to just people I know off the top of me, I do do one-to-one coaches once in age, but I know one of them is a lot more like short, sharp, specific, um, you know, quite a lot of running, whereas the other one is very calm, um, orientated, um, little bounce passes here, checking shoulders uh, and finishing after every little little drill. So I think, I think that you do have a philosophy in a way, um, but yeah, you uh, you kind of have to model around what the customer wants. Can wants. it can it be counterproductive though? So I get it. Yeah, coaches have a coaching philosophy doing the one to ones. But say said player, I'm just trying to think of an example. Say said player plays for a side that might be direct, you know, front to back as quick as they can, and said player plays up front. But then said player wants to go and learn how to receive the ball into feet. Is that not being counterproductive to a playing philosophy that plays in? Because they're going direct. I know there's all terms of direct. Direct can be on the floor, but let's just say direct in the air, and that player isn't going to receive it into feet as much. So then, where's the purpose of it then? I think it's like adding to their toolkit, isn't it? Like that player is just going to be evolving over time, and you're adding a specific technical skill to to their toolkit, aren't you, to help them? In different situations, situations of the game, because the game's going to be different every time, isn't it? They might sometimes they might need to be able to use that 
skill in a type of game. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what Will said. I feel like it's not learning or getting better at something is never counterproductive. It might not have as much worth or there might not be as much of a point to it than learning how to take the ball out of the air for his for his coach, but it's never going to be counterproductive for that player because there's going to be times where he will need to receive it on the floor and he will need to take it into feet and then that's when it's going to, sh- going to show up. It might not happen lots of times in the game, but when it does happen, it's it has that it has its purpose. Okay, so then moving it on then, do you think then how much benefit does a player get out of one-to-one coaching when they go back into their team environment? Is it is it small? Is it big? Is it what is it? How much benefit of doing one-to-one sessions, working on an individual, whether it's a technique or physical thing? How much benefit and improvement do they see when they get back it, with their team? It depends for each and each, each and every person. Um, I mean, for me, the one-to-one coaching is not all just not just about developing your skill set. If you're going to do one-to-one coaching, doing a bit of finishing, um, you, your confidence, uh, you know, firing balls in, you taking a good first touch, just that, just that confidence you you go back to your team with. So you might not even improve technically, um, but at the same time, it. Again, it's like it's like anything uh, on the negative side of it. You know, you, you you can actually make people worse. It can, um, especially in you know in certain areas. Uh, you only have to look at it. You only have to look at it like from a different sports perspective. So, for example, like I've had golf lessons before where you walk away from a golf lesson with somebody new being recommended, and you go. Yeah, that were pants. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and then you go to somebody else who, who who's enthusiastic or whatever, and and gets you. Uh, so again, there you, you you're forming a little partnership um, with with the person, the one-to-one coach, and you'll know you know when when it suits you. You you know yourself when you walk away from a session and you think, yeah, I didn't get a lot of that. Okay, but using that example, so you go there, you get along with the coach and. There's, you know, there's a rapport between the coach. So you learn something from the coach. You improve this one area. When you then get back, or when a player then gets back with their teammates in a team environment setting, how can can you see that improvement straight away? Can you see it at all? Is it a big improvement? Is it a little improvement? What what do you think, Alan? Um, I can't really say from personal view because I've never. For me, I've never done it. I've never done. I've never sort of given a one-to-one session, and I've never received a one-to-one session. So I can never say personally if I know that it 100% has a massive impact. Um, same with players that I've coached. I've I've known a few to have one-to-one coaching, coaching. But then, if they've got better, is that what I've done, or is that what the one-to-one coach has done? Um, I just look at it as. Um, contact time um, so if, as a coach you want your players to have as much contact time as much ball rolling time as possible um, so if they're getting three or four hours a week with you alongside games and then they're getting another 
two hours contact time with a one-to-one coach, even if I can't see it, that's it's only going to help them, even if it's just getting them used to having the ball at the feet. Because some, in some training sessions, if you're doing a lot of teamwork, they might not see the ball for they might want to see the ball for five ten minutes of that hour-long session. But then if they're seeing seeing the ball for an entire hour of a one-to-one session, that can only be positive for them. Yeah, I think like I'll look at it. people react differently with different type of people as well. So if you've got a lad playing under you, for example, Mikey, like he's almost on that verge of like clicking in terms of getting that information across. But then if you go into like a one-to-one coach, that like bit of information might actually click that little bit further within there. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. I mean, from my experience of seeing players doing it, this is why I asked the question is, I personally, I'm not saying there isn't a benefit of having one-to-one coaching because we'll get into that. There obviously is. But some of the prices some of these one-to-one coaches charge players, the mm. amount of money players pay these one-to-one coaches, the improvement they get isn't big worth enough the worth the money, in my to opinion, to justify the price. Yeah. I'm not saying they won't improve, but does it... That's brilliant, by the way. All, sorry, just to cut off all the fans on Zoom that they've got on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think Villa just missed that. That's fantastic. Anyway, back, back. Sorry, back to this. It doesn't. You're paying 15, 20 quid for an hour session for a block of six. That's 120 quid. That 120 quid that you're investing in your your football, your career, whatever you want to say. Does that 120 quid improve you enough that it's noticeable? when you're back with your team. I think For it, me, in my experience, and seeing players before the time this has been recorded doing it, it doesn't. Mm. Now, I don't know if you agree or disagree with me there, but that's just my, I'm not saying there's a benefit, well, is it worth the money? I think, yeah, whether things worth money or not is all down to the person that receives it. So I could never, if I watch someone having a meal at a restaurant, I could never tell them whether that meal was worth it or not because they're the one eating it. They know what it what it is. They know the impact it's had. Love <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah, but so it, we can't look at. I know we might be able to go. Well, they, they've not got that much but better. But that per, that player themselves might think, Joe, you know I'm getting a lot out of this session. Well, I, I I disagree with that because I don't think you can. In the comparison's funny, but I don't think you can compare with a meal because if I'm a coach and a player's going having one-to-one sessions and after six, seven, eight weeks of them paying 20 quid a session or however much it is and they come back into your team environment, you'd expect for the money they're paying to see significant improvements. And if you're only seeing marginal improvements, is it worth the money? I know people say about marginal gains and all that, which is a big, it's a big thing. What can you do to have that little bit of extra? But for the money you're paying, you'd like to see more than a significant improvement, which then brings me on to the next sort or next sort of thing. Have, have any of you had any personal experiences behind one-to-one, whether you delivered one-to-ones, being a player in one-to-ones, anything? Will have you ever been involved or? Uh, I've never received a one-to-one session, but I've delivered some one-to-one sessions. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've... Uh... 
of the <laughs> this is the difference between recording on, on a on an online platform and being in the same room because you'd have missed people laughing at that <laughs> that was funny sorry go I on carry on look at the uh, camera when I'm speaking yeah stuff. carry on yeah um what was I saying I've delivered a one-to-one session or a few one-to-one sessions before but it's been to like under 10s under 9s and stuff like that so how did you sorry under 12s how did you structure those sessions then what like how did you decide to was it working on a four and a half was it working in blocks how did how do you set how did that work I've done it as a block okay so how did the block look the reason I'd done it the lad that I'd done it with was like really low on confidence and his dad just wanted wanted to like get him out of his shell a bit more because he was when he came to training and like team training he didn't know anyone who was there he was like but he wanted to play football but he couldn't find a team that he could get into that was uh, with his friends and stuff like that because he never played football before so the main my main objective of them sessions was to boost his confidence and like getting to sort of fall in love with the game and I felt it was difficult to do that in a team environment because he was so shy and yeah. boys were quite so boisterous more, that he was training with. So it was more from a psychological point then. Yeah. So what did you do within the sessions then to bring him out of his shell? I don't know really, it was just sort of finding I'm selling yourself there, are you? Yeah. <laughs> just finding out what made him tick and what, what he enjoyed and then basing the sessions around that so I'm like some listen to like some CBD thing about like video game training and stuff like that and try to incorporate what's, that and what's that? I can't really go into detail that's for another podcast but uh, I'll introduce you to some of it if you're lucky look at him but, uh, <laughs> so like, I was just finding what made him start calling your Will Johnson doing like sessions that were um, like had levels and stuff to it that he right, could resonate yeah. with like his yeah, so gaming or whatever he so the harder he got and then to be fair towards the end of it he was like he did like because he liked football anyway that love yeah. was there but it was just getting it out of him sort of thing because he was so shy but it worked in the end yeah no good Riffers what about you have you had any personal experience behind one to one delivering being a player um, no I did back in the day think about um, I touched on it a little bit earlier about set, going and like setting up a little one to one sessions but like a little coaching company but on the rehabilitation side of it so um, for like players who were looking to come back um, from an injury get back fit or whatever not really one-to-one sessions in terms of people are playing to like improve them that way if that makes sense it was more like football fitness Mm one-to-one session sort of stuff but um, yeah I mean listen everyone's got Everyone will have a different opinion. It's a great topic to talk about because people say, well, players at the top level do it. Um, so if they do it, then it must be beneficial. But again, it, we're all, it, you'll never, ever have um, like a, what's, what was it? what's the word? Um, like where you're going to have a majority agreement of it. You'll always get... Yeah, the people, people love it. People hate it. People think it's beneficial. People I think, think you're it's mean, not. Your good point. Like, yeah, might like love it or hate it. I think your point about professional players doing it is good because you do see professional players doing it. But I think you put that in context, don't they? They're trading five, six times a week. They're on a periodized plan where they might do, 
you know, the day after game day, go in to do recovery one to one, or you know, you see substitutes doing a sprint, starting to get the system, you know, the, the built up oxygen out the system, or whatever it is. I think at grassroots and semi professional, it's completely different, though, isn't it? You don't have that much time on the pitch with your players. So, all right, players are going off the back. I just bring it back to my my point. If you want players to go off the back to do it, fantastic. They want to improve the game, but a lot of them, the money they pay, surely it needs to see significant improvement for it to be beneficial. So, a question for you then. I'm, I'm charging. So, should you pay? Does the coaching badge that you have? come into play when it comes to one-to-one coaching. So if you've got a UEFA B and I've got a level one, can I charge the same amount as you? Or do you think it's just well, I, I think if you look at, from the best sport to compare with that is tennis. Tennis is an individual sport. And obviously I worked at Bolton Arena for years where they had the, you know, the LTA Tennis Centre. As the coaches went up through the levels, they could charge more for one-to-one sessions. Obviously it's an individual sport. But, so in theory, yeah, if you're going to a UEFA B coach, you that justifiably pay more but you'd also expect more out of it now what are you expecting expecting better gains better session because I've seen numerous of people with the B licence who couldn't coach away out of a paper bag and numerous people who don't have a level one who could coach equally there's so many fantastic highly qualified coaches and so many it's, it's quite it's like a minefield isn't it just because you've got a certificate and I was just speaking as a UAFB qualified coach, just because you've got a certificate doesn't necessarily mean you are good at what you do. It means you've kind of passed the uh, course. I mean, it's like driving. How many of us sat around this table now would be able to pass the driving test first time about? Because yeah, you do your lessons to pass the test. It's similar with your coaching course, and they're changing. But yeah, I I would, as someone who was a B licensed coach, think it'd be justifiable to charge more than. Uh, level two or level one qualified coach however but on your UEFA B is there a specific module module or modular whatever you want to call it um, that focuses on one to one coach yeah. no because the UEFA B is all your tactical side of things obviously you get taught how to you've got to understand how to correct technique which is your level two how to organise sessions and plan them say which is your level one so you have an idea to recognise and correct technique and correct tactics what, what you know, one-to-one coaching is quite a niche sort of thing. There isn't anything out there, coaches-wise, that, to my knowledge, and the people listening, think there is that shows you the, the correct, say correct way, but shows you ways that one-to-one coaching can be done. Do you know what I mean? There's no guides or anything. There's nothing like that. It's very ad hoc and do what you think's right. Now, some coaches will do things that is right and it'll work. Others as well but again it's all opinion based what about you Alan what's your personal experience on it um, I've, I've got no real experience one to one but all of it seen is what I've like people putting clips on Twitter or putting clips on YouTube of them themselves having one to one coaching um, myself I don't think I ever really needed it I've, again like I said before there's something to be said about the contact time and doing more, tra- doing more training, it, but you didn't need it because you're that good. Yes, <laughs> but no, I, I just when, I, especially when I was younger, I'd every sort of chance I got to play football, I'd play football 
I didn't need to spend money on someone coaching me when I could go out with my mates and play five aside. So, just to jump in on that point then, I was very similar. Obviously, I can't play, but going back years gone by, young players would go out and play at any opportunity. Street football. Street football. So because that now society's changed and, you know, that's again, you could do a whole podcast on it, but society's changed, facilities, all that sort of stuff. Do you think now because there's a lack of or less of street football going on, more parents and players are going to these one-to-one coaches to try and get the edge? Definitely, yeah, because it, it's evolved now, isn't it? Like, you can't play, go out and play in the street as much because some areas it's not safe, there's more cars on the road. I, I don't know where I live, I used to play football on my road all the mm. time, but you couldn't do that now because it's like a main road now. But um, it, it's like the new, it's like it was a bit of a niche thing back in the day. There was no such thing as one-to-one coaching. No, from you played you played for your team your on the weekend. Yeah. And then you went and played footy with your mates midweek or whatever. You, mm. you Somebody that you knew, you played football with. Uh, whereas now you see you know you see team players part of teams at a weekend they'll play Saturday Sunday football uh, and then they'll go midweek to these small um, not all not only just one to one but small coaching sessions to you know like development centres talent yeah like drop in talent centres yeah drop in sessions uh, which gives them you know gives them more edge on the on the training. Um, does it though that's the uh, in theory does it give them more edge on the training I think at a young age 100% 100% it does young age so to ask you a question then this is my opinion I don't know if people disagree with this but I'm running a grassroots team to coach on one hour a week say on the sevens I personally think players would get more if I as a coach said to the players right every night this week I want you to go on for half an hour in the garden and do this whether it's you know, toe taps, you know, something to do. I think players will get more out of that and doing it on their own than going doing a one-hour, one-to-one coaching session between that time. Because a lot of the one-to-one coaching stuff I've seen, let's use dribbling as an example. We're on lockdown at the minute. A seven-year-old goes out for a walk with mum and dad. Why can't a seven-year-old take a ball with them and dribble the ball while they're on the walk? They would learn more out of doing that because of the variables that come up, you know, surfaces, the bubbles, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you might be nearer to somewhere that's a little more dangerous, you have to be a bit more protective and careful of the ball. You might learn more than doing that than going doing an hour session where you've been driven out of columns. Agree or disagree? I disagree in a way because I think these small group sessions at a younger age is they're good, good for players, good at it's the, the one-to-one coaching at adult ages. So what what's good really what's good about them for kids though? Because it, for me, social for, skills. Okay, social skills and all that. We'll talk, um, but let's just focus on dribbling. That's the example I use. A lot of one-to-one sessions I see is they'll put a line of cones out and the player will dribble in and out of cones. That's not realistic. No, it isn't. And again, it comes down to the level of coaching. It comes down to the level of coaching. Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But when you go to the the sense where you see good sessions being put on um, I think it is more beneficial but again it's it's that minefield of what's a good session or what's a bad session but for me getting to dribble for half an hour freely where they want in whichever direction they want 
they will learn more than dribbling in and out of cones in a straight line. Because even the greatest dribbler in the world, Messi, when you watch him, doesn't dribble in a straight line. They also get that opportunity to pick the coach's brain, though. So, like, they could find out things that they, if they were playing on their own, they're not going to be able to like ask their imaginary friends. How do you know they're not creating habits? Like what? So, like, for example, if they've done something wrong, fair enough if they're up on their own and they, like, realise they're, they're dribbling with their big toe or something, just, like, toe-punning it around the garden, they're not going to... But they would have got that. They would have got that in their one-hour session during the week with their coach, and then given almost homework to go and do and carry on practising. When children at school do learn how to add up, they get homework, go home, they might not add everything up right, but they're at home, they learn on their own, and then they get the answers back. But at the same time, there's a lot of kids that have a maths tutor and do additional lessons in maths mm-hmm. to, get better at, to get better at maths. So if you're using the, the maths analogy... But the maths yeah. tutor follows a curriculum. So yeah. Which one-to-one coaches don't. Well, they follow football... But, again, football is that sport, isn't it, where... There's no right way to play. There's no right way to play. There is right ways to to teach techniques and everything, but you... Everyone in the world thinks of an expert at football because it's a national sport, the the biggest sport in the world. Everyone in this country thinks of an expert. But the amount of people that aren't an expert, I'm not an expert, none of us around this table are an expert, we've got good knowledge, but a lot of people do one-to-ones who think they're an expert but aren't actually giving anything to the mm-hmm. kids the, the only thing I'm gonna, I can add on is that yeah in an ideal world like I can't I think it was like George Best always said that he'd take football everywhere and that's how he got better because he'd take football everywhere and that was my but because George Best's mum allowed him to take a football anywhere in those days he could take yeah, a football yeah. anywhere and he could dribble around the streets by himself and, just, and do that but nowadays Will I know some parents would would allow it, but would all parents allow their kid if they're going somewhere to take a ball with them? I know I know a lot of parents from from knowledge of, of parents and working in environments where I see how parents are. I I know that a lot of them would would go. I don't want to bring a ball with me because it'll mean it'll take me longer to get where I want to go. And that's the because I'll stop. It's dangerous. What if the ball runs in the street? They might they might run into the yeah. road. And that's the old problem, isn't it? I suppose. So I feel like they they would then rather instead of allowing their child to run around on the streets with a ball whilst they're trying to trying to walk to the shops or trying to go to to the park. I think they would rather then spend that money on a one-to-one coach to get the same to get the same games that we were we would have got just wandering around with the ball. But it's debatable if they get the gains or not. What I suppose there's some good discussion there. Okay, so the final bit, you know, some good discussion about one-to-one coaching. Um, what are the benefits of one-to-one coaching? We kind of talked it, but will in your opinion then, what are te- what techniques are best suited to one-to-one coaching within the game? I think finishing is definitely on that list. Why? Um, because it's it's quite a repetitive thing, isn't it? It's the, the more you do it, that element of repetition, it's the more you learn. So it's like when you're riding a bike, you're repeatedly turning the cogs on the, or the cassette, whatever the thing is that makes the chain go. Like you're, you're constantly making links from the short term to the long term memory, so then it seeps in there and you remember how to do it. There we go. Mr. Yeah, but what University. about yeah, but what about bad habits? What do you mean? 
Well, you could be practicing the wrong wrong techniques. That's why like you've got the one to one coach there. It is it's a very like if you if your coach is good and he can pick out them them bad techniques, then the more you do it, like your muscle memory's gonna kick in and all that and then you're gonna be slapping the ball top bins every time. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. Alan, what about you? What do you think? You know, the te- techniques best suited to one-to-one coaching? Um, it's the same with what Will said. It's it's those skills that require a lot of repetition. Um, Such as? Passing, shooting. I don't think, to me, I don't think dribbling is, is a skill that gets improved by one-to-one coaching because I feel like the best way to learn how to dribble is by dribbling and being confident beating players to, to try and get past people and trying different ways to do it that's I've always sort of said that I feel like I'm quite good at sort of five aside and sort of like futsal style football because that's when I grew up it was always like Wembley mm. one a on lot one of, two on ones a lot, of futsal, got a lot of futsal though learns do, do lots of different types of touches different and different one to one yeah. but then, then techniques all built together to form a dribble so one to one then could help the dribble by learning inside it, outside yeah, it's all laces all that sort of stuff it, it, in, a, in a way it can learn how to move left move left the right ball foot. but I'm saying dribbling as in dribbling past people as in the full as to yeah the full, the full yeah the full process not the not the sort of bits leading up to it yeah so it's, it's you've got is best learned you've got this it's discrete continuous and serial skills isn't it so your discrete skills are your your skills that have um even though the name doesn't suggest it, the skills that have a clear beginning and end. Your um, continuous is like no clear beginning and end, and yeah. then your um, serial are the two added together. So the dribbling is a serial skill, isn't it? That gives all your discrete skills of your controlling the ball and the continuous skill of movement to make the dribbling the actual discrete stuff. I think that'd be my opinion on it. Anything that has a clear <coughs> beginning and end that you can coach your technique, your shooting, your passing, potentially. <laughs> They get done well enough, are the yeah. skills that get get done well, but back to Ripper's point. <laughs> back to Ripper's point on on that you were saying what was it bad technique? So it's all right doing different circuits and finishing, but you keep like you said slapping it into the top bins all the time. But is that actually is that actually realistic? No, no. Um, the movement. The movement maybe, um, you know, timing the runs from the passing, uh, dropping in, in behind the mannequins, that sort of stuff. Uh, the movements are, but I think I watched so many. I mean, I even watched that one with Harry Kane um, the other week, and I haven't seen that one. yeah, I mean, his finishing was unbelievable for me. Uh, but I did watch it and think a couple of times like he would have been closed <coughs> down there, he would have been tackled. And that's you my point. Is good it for the technique, but is it realistic? Because we've seen stuff and we've talked about stuff. We've seen people do sessions and they're getting this, you know, they put it on the Twitter, their Instagram, their YouTube, their MySpace, whatever, of them slapping a ball into the top bins, bending it around the mannequin. But it takes them seven touches to get there. But in an actual game, you'd be bang, you'd been lifted by the centre half. You're not getting that learning of holding on, you know, receiving the ball under pressure, receiving the ball first, you know, to play the ball into space because they're just doing it, taking seven or eight touches and what there you go. But that doesn't happen in the game of football, does it? No, but then if you I mean if you watch the um the the England coach, uh what's he called, the Scottish fella, who started doing one to one coaching with like 
strikers basically. Some at Russell is it? Anyway, um, when you watch his sessions, his is very intense and very movement specific with the finishing, mm. um, which that that he impressed me when I watched his sort of one to one sessions there uh, because of that. Do you know what I mean? It was it was like less about like oh in this position you should be rolling into the bottom corner, top corner, whatever. It's more like right when the ball's here, when man's here, you should be here, dropping off here. So there's a lot more details to the player to then learn and develop from. Yeah, yeah, it's more like the it was more like the the movement aspect of it. So when the ball goes out wide, that player um, isn't waiting at the front post for it. No. Or before he's even looked up and got his head, you know, got his feet. Alan Russell, that's it. Um, so yeah, that sort of stuff. Um, I think he's he's good, but a lot of the finishing where they're taking taking five touches and and then finishing it into a a net that's just got uh, an internal net in it with a four corners empty. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that to be honest. So. To, to wrap it up then oh drop me phone to wrap it up then what so for people listening I know we've done a good debate well there's different opinions than that so I have a kid and I don't know anything about football and I came to you Alan and said should I get little Johnny little Timmy or little Susie one to one coaching what would your response be to me I'd my response would be ask little Tommy so you're sitting on the fence then? No, so I wouldn't say I'm sitting on the fence. Okay, but I think so, it, so I, would ne- I would never be able to pick a child and say, if, right, if, so I, me, if I knew them and I was their coach, I could possibly say whether they did need some additional work. All right, so let me you? give you a little bit more context then to the scenario you, you've caught me out there. So <laughs> they want to get better at football and they're open to doing more. Would you recommend one-to-one coaching? And if so, yes or no? And why? So they what? So they need something that they got. They've got to work on. But they're they're a, they're a young child. Mm-hmm. Just started playing the game. Everyone always has stuff they can work on. Yeah. So the young child, they're hoping to do a bit more. Would you recommend doing one-to-one coaching, or would you go over more? Just let them go, let them play. See, I'd... I'm a big fan. Well, a big sort of. I don't know what the word is. I, I, I fully know how much benefits that I got from just going and playing, but that would be... So the, your advice then would be... Yeah, but if, then if, play, if the parents would let them... Just, yeah, but just then go. is that not biased from you because you've never had one-to-one coaching to yeah. then appreciate if it would be more beneficial or not? Yeah, so... What would it, it, would, it would be because I'm not, I'm not had one-to-one coaching. That's so right. I, I never know whether it would be... So what would you say then, Will? Have I asked you the same question? They were doing more... Would you recommend one-to-one coaching? And if so, I've not. Why? I'd recommend it because then you're fulfilling their love for the game, aren't you? If your sessions are good and you're a good enough coach to put on a good one-to-one session where they're benefiting from it one way or another, whether it's their confidence, mentality, their uh, like technical skills, which is what most people do it for. Um, what's to stop them going and play football in the park as well like, with their mates that that's no. free like. so how much then would be the most if you had a child how much would the most you'd pay for a one to one session depends well, who's coaching me me 
So let's use <laughs> let's let's use the let's use the context we used earlier. So level one, level two, you A for B, you A for A. For those levels of coaches, what are doing wrong? Should be happy to bet. That's a tough question. Exactly, that's why I asked it. <laughs> um, I don't think the badge matters. It obviously does. So why do we have badge. coaching badges if the badge But if there's like a UA for A coach who's never done one-to-one coaching before, and then there's a UA for B coach who's top dollar and class at one-to-one coaching, you're going to go to him, aren't you? Uh, I don't know, because I've seen one-to-one sessions ranging from 10 to 200 quid. 200 quid? Yeah, for like top level. How For how long? A year? <laughs> <laughs> From like, I don't want to drop any names, but... £200 for a one-to-one session? Yeah, there's two. Like, there's per session or per session. Per session? For a session, yeah. <laughs> for an hour? Yeah, I'm sure that's how much 200 for, uh, quid? I'm going to look. Come back to me and I'll finish wow. with my answer. Yeah, Rippers, what about you then? So say 200, 200 quid? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so 200, 200 quid. I'm sure I've seen people. 200 pounds for a one to Oh, you pay that, you're stupid. Yeah, I'm, not you sitting, got like... I'm not sitting on the fence there. If you pay that, <laughs> you pay more than 15, 20 quid for a one to one session, you're stupid. Um, that's my opinion, not the opinion of podcasts and everybody else. Anyway, bring it back while he finds out how much it was. What about I'm you, Rippers? Totally wrong, eh? What about you, Rippers? Um, would you recommend one-to-one coaching or not? And if so, why? Or if not, why? Uh, I'd say I'd advise going grassroots first. Yeah. I'd advise going and seeing, you know, going down and, and getting involved with a local club or um, some some more of a training centre. I wouldn't really recommend one-to-one coaching um, as much as a, a group session. Um, but, again, it Go! Has he dropped it in the net? Is it going in? No. No. Watch. watch hasn't. Sorry for those listening. We're on 41 minutes and 30 seconds of the first half and we thought there was a goal. Sorry, Rippers. Carry on. You can restart it. No, no. We'll carry on. It's better like this. No, so I, no, I'm, not, I'm not a massive fan um, of, of one-to-one. I'd rather, you know, get them involved in, in a group group environment uh, whether that's playing Saturday Sundays whether that's training whether that's even you know if they've got mates who play for a different team and they, they want to go and get that's definitely a goal nah it's not across the line you can tell sorry we're just like the whole he's, take, he's got the nah. ball in the net oh that's in that it's not worked the technology hasn't worked or has it got away with one there Anyway, so just to so we'll, we'll summarise that. Have you found that? They'll go and score. Have you, you found who's pace charging two hundred quid for a one-to-one session? Yet? I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. So we'll we'll summarise. Sure I've seen it, unless it was a joke thing that I've seen scrolling through Twitter before. But I've, um, seen, I've seen sessions at hundred pound a session. Hundred pound. Hundred pound. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, to summarise, then obviously, oh, I mean, we're all on different opinions. There are value to one-to-one sessions. Just make sure you're not getting ripped off, and make sure there's um, it you know the, the make sure it's working. Make sure it's right wor- yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Right? Make sure it's, it's working. Approach, right. Yeah, I think that's the point. It's personal approach. It has to be right for you. So yeah, so some good chat there. Wash your hands.
We're back with season two of Wash Your Hands. Ready for uh, a new season, lads? Yeah. I think, uh, Mikey, have you have you subscribed for your voters again, or have you? Have you... No, no. You just look. I told you, like Taylor says, haters gonna hate. Just don't hate the fact that I got I won every week apart from the first one. <sighs> Not having it, but anyway. Uh, right, I'm gonna put Will in the hot seat first up oh. of season two. Make it a good one. Right. Who's got the timer? Don't worry about the timer. You just you just crack on. All right. Are you what are you going to be washing your hands? Right. What are you going to be washing your hands with, William? <laughs> right. right. My washing my hands this week is going to be... Um, I'm going to say Joe Wicks, but it's not actually Joe Wicks because I think what he's done throughout this pandemic has been good in terms of his exercise every day. But I saw... Uh, on a government website thing or Twitter thing that he was going to be in charge of the national curriculum for or oversee the national curriculum for primary school PE and I think that's an absolute joke like he's got no experience in teaching PE to primary school children he can he does physical activity as opposed to physical education which are two very different things he's he does physical activity every day on the uh, online workouts which is good to get kids moving but how much are they actually learning from that apart from like muscle memory and stuff they're not learning like mechanic mechanics of the body and yeah, the stuff that you should be learning in PE um, and I don't think he should be overseeing it because he's a, a physical activator as opposed to the physical I can't say it physical educator and that's my wash my hands this week I completely agree with you. Thank you. That's, you quite, that's a very intellectual uh, you wash your hands this week. You don't see them getting J.K. Rowling to do the English curriculum just because she can write books. Exactly. Very good point. You don't see Carol Vorderman doing the maths curriculum just because she won't count on for 20 years. <laughs> Joe Wicks, what he's done has been fantastic, but he's not a PE educator, physical educator. Good one, Will. Thank you. I don't right. even vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> Alan's up next. Follow yeah, that one, mate. Alright. Um... My, uh, oh my, I'm going to be washing my hands um, this week of people starting the pre-season now. Um, so going off talking our topic of uh, one-to-one coaching, I've been doing my, I've just been going out and just playing football or going on a run whenever and occasionally I'll, I'll find myself on a field and I see groups of 15 to 20 people looking like they're engaging in some form of session or football session um, even if that's just sort of doing the fitness work um, even though obviously currently at this moment in time that's not that's not allowed um, we're not we're not allowed to do training sessions with groups of over six people and some people are already doing it even though yeah some groups I've seen are using PPE and they make sure everything's safe but What's the point of doing it if you don't know when your season's going to be starting? Because your season might not start until later on in the year. Obviously, when the podcast comes out, we might have more information and more knowledge. But currently, we don't. So, what are you doing? So it's all down. That's why I'm washing my hands. I agree. You are adding eight weeks of pre-season training that you don't need to add, aren't you? Exactly. Third, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. So... 
see if I'm in, in I touch. I see reigning champions. See if I'm in touch <laughs> as, with society as I was last season. So I'm washing my hands of a phrase. Okay, and I'll say the phrase before I start my minute. I'm washing my hands of the phrase that is going around at the minute where people keep saying the new normal. Right? So the reason why I'm washing my hands off the new normal is because the phrase doesn't make any sense. So I've actually got a definition of what the word normal is on my phone right now. So the definition of the word normal is conforming to a standard, usual, typical, or expected. So at the minute, social distancing, two meters apart, people are saying it's the new normal it's the new normal it's not the new normal it's the new way of doing something it's the new way of doing something because it isn't normal once it becomes normal it won't be the new normal it'll just be normal when you go from normal then you do a new way and then it's normal there's no such thing as the new normal it makes no sense best example i can give you is us recording this podcast First seven episodes, we did it via Zoom because of the social distancing. They've relaxed, so we've got together to do it. If we do this now for every other podcast for this season, then that will be normal because it's the normal way of doing it. Right now, it's the new way for us because we're trying it, and then it'll become normal. So the word, the phrase, the term, new normal, get rid of it. It makes no sense. And that's what I'm washing my hands on this week. <laughs> it, well... It just doesn't make any sense. We're not messing around there, mate. He it, went back. To, if you notice, he goes back to his old tactics because he just like gets irate. <laughs> this is what this, this is what this part of the podcast is supposed to be about. Get annoyed at something and get it off your chest. The new normal. It's a load of rubbish. No such thing. Doesn't make any sense. So you're upset with the phrase, aren't you? So you yeah, but whoever's someone's been paid to make that phrase up, and then the country and all getting into it. <laughs> Someone has been paid to come up with that phrase and it makes no sense. Sorry, boys, I didn't mean to start them off again. <laughs> it makes no sense. The new normal makes no sense. It's a new way. And when that new way, another example. Another I'm sure example. You meant, no, <laughs> I'm off now. I drive to work. I drive to work. If I start cycling to work, that's not the new normal. It's a new way of getting to work. If I then continue to cycle to work, it's my normal way of getting to work. I don't then go, oh, I've got a new normal way of getting to work. It's a new normal. (laughs) Finish? Yeah, I'm done. What do you call your? What do you call the old normal? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good good question, actually, Alan. You don't everyone ever hear anyone saying the old normal? Do you know what they say? The old way of doing something. So it doesn't make any sense either way. <laughs> anyway, over to you, Rippers. Well, I've got to follow that one, haven't I? Yeah, Marky's had two entries there, technically. I know, He's yeah. Cheating. Yeah, technically. <laughs> <laughs> He's got more airtime than us. <laughs> uh, I will be washing my hands this week with uh, non league players having a scalp. Having an agent. All <laughs> <laughs> right, go on. I just fully believe that if you're good enough, you'll get to where you need to be. You will, you'll get to the level in football. You'll always find your level. I don't care what anybody says, whether that's through fitness, whether that's through uh, how good you are technically, determination, whatever it'll be, you will find your level. So if you're trying to make it in a professional game, get your head down, graft. 
and the opportunities will come because we know as we know you go to every single game at non-league there's always somebody watching so you don't need somebody being cringy messaging clubs I've got a player for you can he come down pre-season this that and the other and then paying for the luxury of doing it or having to pay a fee when when a move actually happens graft work hard you'll get through you'll go through the leagues nice and rapid and you never know you might do a Jamie Vardy (laughs) I'm washing my hands with non-league agents right that's all we have time for on season 2 episode 1 of The Bench Will any final words? no just make sure uh, carrying on with the new normal Shut up. <laughs> Rippers, what about you? Any final words? It's good to be back. Enjoyed it. Um, and uh, nice to see uh, you three in uh, public. And finally, as always, Alan, final words for you. Uh, Will stall on. Got a bit good at a bar. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, I just going to say, hey, it's not, if it's not new, it's not the new normal. <laughs> well, there we go, the new normal. Load of rubbish. Any one-to-one coaching... Uh, Slide into uh, the DMs. Yeah, you know, the DMs but, and attach your football CD. <laughs> but don't pay two hundred pound an hour for it. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Glad to be back. I look forward to seeing you next time on the bench.